Please would you turn this evening to the gospel account of John, 13th chapter, and then also to 1 John. Actually, go to 1 John first. Excuse me. 1 John 4, and then John, big John, 13. 1 John 4, and the gospel of John, chapter 13. 1 John 4 and verse 7. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Now you almost have to stop and dissect that because we've sung that little song you know and that's all right but people think they know it because they know the little song huh beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is what born of God and what knows God Being born of God is not the same thing as knowing God to appreciable degrees. You can be born again and know very little about God. And this will open up this whole epistle to you if you realize that every time he says know God, do not just equate that to being saved. Okay? He's talking about beyond of course, when you get born again, you meet him. You are acquainted with him, right? But you know, just because you meet somebody doesn't mean you know a whole lot about them. You and I could walk up after the service and shake hands from talk for 15 minutes, but could you walk away and say, I really know Brother Keith. A lot of times we ministers are at a disadvantage because you've, you've heard us pour out our insides on tapes and books and everything else for years and you know us, and we don't know you. But it, it does make you feel, even though you haven't met somebody personally, it makes you feel like you know a lot about them. And in, in some cases, you do. But just because you're born again doesn't mean that you, you know a whole lot about God. It's at that moment you begin to walk with Him, and the more you walk with Him, you know Him. But knowing Him is inseparable from knowing love. Isn't that what it said? He that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not, what? Knows not, does not know God. Now that is a strong statement. Isn't it? Yeah, but what if they can quote a lot of scriptures? Huh? Could you say that if they, if they don't love... But they quote a lot of scriptures, that means they don't know God. That they talk in tongues. But the love is not there. Do they know God? For, what what does verse 8 say, the last part? For God is love. I want you to say that three times from your heart. For God is love. For God is love. Again. For God is love. Hallelujah. Now for some months, the Lord has been ministering to me about this subject. And it has already changed my life forever. And I see it as a central key to this higher plane we're talking about of living. Don't, don't think about that as a fairy tale. How many realize you live on a higher plane now than you used to? Yeah. See, we're not just talking to be talking here. Is it possible you could live on as much higher plane again as where you have attained already? That'd be quite something, wouldn't it? 
I mean, there's a lot of us. Our life has radically changed from 10, 20 years ago. Right? Could it change that much more again? Yes. What would life be like then? (laughs) Not only can it be that way, it's supposed to be that way. If it, if it doesn't happen that way, you and I are not uh, obeying, we're not doing what he's telling us to do. But we have to, we, we can't put our spiritual development in our terms. We have to cooperate with him. We can't tell him how to develop us. And one thing that he said to me, and I, it just keeps unfolding the more we look at it. He said to me, Keith, he said... You and so many in your groups, in the circles we run into, my charismatic word of faith, you have taught love like it's one of the primary subjects. You teach on healing, and you teach on prosperity, and you teach on righteousness, and you teach on the authority of the believer, and you teach on peace, and you teach on love. He said, wrong. He said, I am love. Love is not to be a subject you also teach on. Everything you teach is to be of and from and through love. It's to be permeated with love. You cannot teach faith properly without a strong emphasis on love. Our faith works and operates how? By love. I mean, you could teach a seminar right there as to why folk are having trouble with the faith walk. Right? I mean, you you can't talk about righteousness. You can't talk about authority. You can't talk about any of these things with any understanding or with any true progress, unless you get into the aspect of love, because if not for love, there would be no redemption. There would be no righteousness, and there would be no authority, but it all works by this. If this is not central in our hearts and in our thinking, then we, we don't know God if we don't know love. I want to I challenge you to do something for the next few months. And it may stick with you longer than that, but for the next few weeks especially, and if the Lord leads you, continue it on out for some months. Every time you hear or see the word God in the scriptures or anywhere else, substitute for it the word love. And it will open up this thing to you by degrees. Is it true that God is love? It's true. Not just something he has. This is what he is. Amen. And if you're not thinking in the love vein, you're not thinking in God's vein. If you're not seeing through the love perspective, you don't see it like God sees it. If you don't present it or deal with it, through and by love, then you're not doing it by the Spirit of God. To whatever degree you're doing it apart from love is in the flesh. I know I've had ministers uh, say to me before, I'm thinking of one guy right now, bless his heart, he was so adamant, and he was talking about somebody didn't like the way he preached or presented something. He said, well, that's just their problem. He said, because it's my job to give them the truth. It's just my job to give them the truth. And if they don't like it, then it's tough. They can just do what they want to with it. But I gave them the truth. I said, wrong. He said, what do you mean wrong? I said, that's not true. The scripture says in Ephesians that we are to speak the truth in love. And that that's how we grow up in him. Right? No. The way you present it can determine how and even if it's received. No, it's, it's not just our job to give people the truth. Slap it on the plate. <laughs> Raw. <laughs> huh? Somebody said, well, it's food. It's my job to give you the food. 
drunk. No, it helps if you'll take a little time to prepare it properly and to season it and to garnish it. I mean, presentation is worth something, don't you think? It can make all the difference whether you think, yeah, I want to put that in my mouth. Or whether you think, no, I want to leave and go somewhere else. Right? How it's presented. The proverb says, the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Well, man, if we're interested in that, and this is not just for preachers now. This is for you talking to your five-year-old. Huh? Or for you conversing with your spouse. It's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. The words that you use. We need to believe God for a, a, a vocabulary. Sometimes you can say the same thing, just use different words and different tones. And it's the difference between being received and loved or shut down and despised. I know some years ago I was praying about some things and I could just see some things in a person's life that I cared about. It was so crystal clear. And, you know, if they just do this, then this would straighten out. And the Lord said to me, he said, son, it's not what they need. It's not what you see. It's what will they receive. I think a lot of us that have gotten in the Word and learned some things, uh, and it's pretty much the standard that you make some mistakes. Along this line, trying to tell somebody something because it's obviously the answer. I don't care how right you are, you can be so wrong in telling them. It's not what you see. It's not what you know. It's not what you're sure of. It's not what you're right about. It's not what they need. What is it? What will they receive and who knows that? The Holy Ghost knows it. God knows it. And God is? Love. He knows what they'll receive and He knows how it should be presented so they will receive it. Is it true that in our one-on-one ministering, in our churches, in our ministries... That how much of the Word of God is received is being affected by how it's being presented? Is it true that the sweetness of the lips increases learning? That if we learn how to present things with more love and with more wisdom, that the revelation level could jump up? Then this is, this is more than a small thing. It's not just our job to slap the truth on the table, but to speak the truth in love will grow up in Him. Amen. Say it out loud. God is love. God is love. Back on up to the third chapter. 1 John 3. Verse 14. 1 John 3.14 says. We know. That we have passed from death unto life because we quote scriptures. <laughs> huh? Because we've been baptized. Hmm? Because we speak in tongues. How do we know? Because we love the brethren. That's how we know. That's what he just got through saying in that fourth chapter there. It comes after this. You know, if you love, if you don't love, you don't know God. If you love, then you know God. This is how we know that we know God. It's how we know we've been born again, passed out of death into life, because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. And whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Strong words. Now, now listen. Another thing that will help you in this epistle of 1 John. Distinguish between murderer and killer. Just because somebody killed somebody doesn't mean they're a murderer. And you don't have to physically kill somebody to be a murderer. God sees the heart. 
If you, if you hate somebody enough, you wish they were dead. What is that? I mean, all that, all that lacks is the mechanics of pulling the trigger. But you wish they were dead. And, and, you know, it's deception for people to get to that place where they think somebody else is so much of a problem in their life that they, they can't have the proper life as long as this person breathes. That's not knowing how big God is. Remember what the Lord told Joshua? No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. If God really is as big as he says he is and we believe that he is, then nobody. Nobody is big enough to shut out and stop the plan of God in your life. So you don't have to look at somebody and say, well, I wish they were out of the way. Hmm? The devil will lie to you. He'll try to tell you, they're your problem. But flesh and blood is not our problem. We don't wrestle in war against flesh and blood. He's trying to get the heat and the spotlight off of himself. He's the problem. And the flesh, yielding to it and thinking dumb stuff like that. What did he say? Verse 16, he goes on to say, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This is a capsule definition of a Christian. We throw this term around a lot. But the Lord's been bringing me back to the roots of it. It's amazing how Christianity has been distorted in these centuries. And how that there are a lot of stuff called Christian that the Lord wouldn't recognize at all. It looks nothing like Him. It acts nothing like Him. It thinks and sees nothing like Him. God is love. Jesus. Yeshua, the, the Messiah, the, 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 the Christ, the Christos, the Anointed One is love manifested in the flesh. Right? So when you see Him, you see love. He told the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God, the Father, is love. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen love. If you are genuinely born again, you have experienced that love. Impossible to be born again and you haven't experienced that love. How many can remember when you got saved? Do you remember? When you got born again, when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, did you experience the love of God? Did you touch something that was deeper and and greater and more wonderful than anything you can find in this planet? It's Him. The greatest experiences that I've had in my Christian life and walk have been with and in the love of God. There's times in the floor in prayer and communion with God that the love of God just come into your being and go out towards people. And I remember one night, I know the, the, the place I was laying in the floor by myself praying, and the love of God came in me so strong, I said out loud, Lord, this is where I want to be forever. <laughs> in this love. That's what makes heaven heaven. And the absence of it is what makes hell, hell. If there were no flames, if there was no torment, just being in the belly of uh, that place with all those folk full of hate is hell. But this love is Christianity. Amen. And it's how we know we've passed from death unto life. And if we are true Christians, then we also lay down our lives for our brothers. Just like our master laid down his life for us. Now when you say that, most people go tilt a little bit. They don't like the terminology. They don't like the sound of, what do you mean exactly, lay down your life? What, what do you mean? 
And you, before you even get through with the verse, you got unwillingness. And the devil knows this, and this is no accident. The devil has pumped the church for century after century. He wants us to be afraid of this. He wants us to, he wants to scare us off of this because this wins the world. This wins the world more than our talking in tongues, more than our faith, more than our healings, more. By this, we are known to be true Christians. Not something else. I said the Lord was bringing me back to the roots of Christianity. He said it, it, it's gotten off. And there is a thing he actually hates about some of this. I'll get to that later. But we know we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Being a true Christian is being like the Christ. Right? How did he live? How did he operate? If we lose sight of that, then are we true Christians? He lived to give. Did it make him morbid and sad? Did it cause him to live a depressed life? When he says things like, take up your cross and follow me. Whole legions of Christians sit back down. It just doesn't sound good. <laughs> right? It sounds like, yeah, uh. I don't know. When are they going to have the faith seminar? <laughs> I want to go to the faith, the prosperity. <laughs> but if our prosperity is not built on the foundation of love, then we're off. And we cap our prosperity. Because you can only believe so much for yourself. You will be severely limited. But if you want to get into the exceeding abundantly above all you've asked or thought, then you get to believe in God for other people. To touch other people's lives and to change their lives. You'll get into bigger things than you ever imagined or dreamed. Take up your cross and follow me. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get into some detail with that. You want to? And here's the good news. It's good news. It's not a sad, depressing thing. The devil's been lying to us. He has. Oh yeah, I mean, you don't have to hear an audible voice, but the thoughts and the feelings will come to you. Oh, you don't, you don't want to do that. You won't even enjoy your life anymore. What do you mean? Crucify yourself? Take up your cross? Lay down your life. That means your fun is over permanently. <laughs> and Christians believe this. They believe that if they really, I mean, people hear these verses and they go, yeah, you know, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we ought to do that. But they go home and they will not do it. They won't even look at it. When they get to that place in the scripture, they just read over it real quick. And just, yes, praise the Lord. And just <laughs> But I want you to understand, even before we get there, it is victory. That's right. Hallelujah. Yeah. Following Jesus fully is victory. Yes. Hallelujah. Go with me, please, to John 13, if you're holding your place there. John. The 13th chapter. In John 13 and verse 34, John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. 
that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. This, friend, is our greatest witness. If we don't emphasize this, we limit our witness. He didn't say, by your tongues, all men will know that you're my disciples. I mean, there are groups that are not Christian that speak in tongues. He didn't even say, by your miracles. Did you hear me? He didn't say, by your miracles, they'll know that you're my disciples. There are other groups that's not even Christian that have supernatural things happen. But by what would they know? By our love. Now get this. One to another. He's talking about me loving you and you loving me, fellow Christians. There's a little difference here between loving the world. God so loved the world, he gave Jesus. We are to love and care for the world, but that is not the specific application of this commandment. The whole world will see God in and on us and know that we are His by the way we treat each other in the church, in the body. This is our primary witness. Can you see why the devil has been strategic in his attacks to keep the body in strife? He's not just, you know, I mean, it accomplishes a lot of things. But he's not just after spoiling our day, he's after destroying our witness. And you know it as well as I do. That there are people this, this very moment who ridicule us. They make fun of the church. Pointing out our squabbling amongst ourselves and our fighting each other and our attacking each other. And to them... That, that renders our witness false. And the sad thing is, there's legitimacy to it. By what would all men, this is everybody, every race, every nation, every social strata, everybody, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, by, by this, all men would know that we're his disciples, by what? Can you hear what the Spirit of God has said? What He's been saying to me? He said, Keith, you haven't emphasized this like you should. You haven't given this the place that you should. This is not something we also teach. This is the core. This is the foundation. This is God. Amen. And for anything else to be successful, if you're going to teach on faith, you've got to have one hand and foot strongly on love. Amen. While you're talking about the other, it's got to be the foundation and hub of everything. By this, we need to have the reputation that we take care of our own. Amen. Far more than any gang, far more than any social group or club or, or any fraternity or sorority or etc 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 none of them should be able to compare with us amen we ought to grow in this until the gifts of the spirit flow until everybody in the seat would just look around and you'll just have a word of knowledge about what's going on about people behind you and beside you. Why? Because you love them. You care about them. And you'll be, I mean, needs are being met. All through the congregation, people will come over and pray for you without you calling them. You just don't, I mean, supernatural things are happening in the flow of love until the community round about hears about this. And think, and you just get the reputation. When you join up with that bunch, you got it made. You'll never be alone again. You'll never be without help again. It is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. 
But that goodness, that love is to be shown in us. Amen. In me towards you. In you towards me. When you're first born again, it's, it's so, you're so aware of it. It's so uh, at the surface of, of your very words and thoughts. Do you remember when you got born again? Won't you try to make yourself stir up? Think about it. When you got born again? I know I was just a boy. But I came back to school. Got saved on a Sunday morning. Actually, uh, my dad walked the aisle in a Baptist church. And I figured if that's what he needed to do, it's what I needed to do. And I got up behind him and followed him down to the altar. And we got born again. And the next day I'm in school. And uh, just in junior high, I guess. And I was looking around and everybody looked different in there to me. I looked at people I didn't even like. And I couldn't explain it, but I cared about them. I cared whether they lived or died. I cared whether they went to heaven or hell. Right? Nobody else has this. No other religion. Did you hear me? They, they can talk about humanitarian efforts. They can talk about, you know, doing things for people. But it's, it's all a false thing. It's a shell. It's not the real. You and I have the real. I said we've got the real. But it is not supposed to be put under a bushel. And it is not supposed to be pushed down and suppressed until it barely motivates you. Which can happen in Christian life. You can be so carnal and just think about yourself so much until you push down the love of God in you. Until it just it doesn't motivate you. It doesn't direct you like it's supposed to. Friend, I want you to stay stuck in these meetings, though. I want you to pray in between them. I want you to come in, and I want you to let the Holy Ghost reach inside of you and clean out all the stuff that stopped up the love pipe. Amen. Amen. And let that flow come up through you so that you're easily and quickly touched with the feelings of others' infirmities. Tears come to your eyes quickly. Amen. Uh, You're quick. To respond and move when you do, your spiritual sensitivity just leapt up. We're not in this alone. And there's nothing else more important than this. It's not by all these other things. It's not by how much, you know, prosperity we have that everybody's going to run and get saved. It is a factor. But if, it, if we have it and we don't emphasize this... It can just wind up being intimidating. You know the thing that will bless people so much is if you do, you know, you rise up to a high place in prosperity. You have some nice stuff. But you step out of your expensive car and you are so nice to the person that is used to, getting, used to being treated like part of the hardware. You step off your airplane. And you treat the guy with grease on his hands like very few have treated him lately. Hmm? He can see it in your eyes. He can hear it in the tone of your voice that you're worth more to him than that airplane you just got off of. You'd trade that airplane for his soul like that. But see, it's got to really be that way. You can get so busy doing your stuff, even in ministry. I've seen people that are supposed to be in a hurry to get somewhere to minister and just treat people like dirt. On their way to go minister to people. Well, what are these? (laughs) These are people too. What's heaven going to be like? What's heaven going to be like? It's going to be love manifested Everywhere. Amen. Every flower. Every tree. Every person you meet. Amen. Nothing but love. It's not that way on this planet. But you and I are the light of it. Amen. You and I are the salt of it. You and I are the love. 
manifest in the earth, it needs to be to the degrees that when people see us, they've seen Jesus. When they see us, they've seen the love that He is. It's the key to the flowing of the gifts of the Spirit. It's the key to the greater dimensions of prosperity. It's the key to the greater levels of reaping. Amen. Did you hear that? Anybody been praying about that? Believing about that? Huh? The greater degrees of reaping? Don't think we're not, we're not interconnected with it. This is the answer to some of the things why we have only reaped to certain degrees. You've got to have vision broad enough. Amen? To lay hold of some of these things. Faith and vision are inseparable, but your faith works how? By your love. So it's not just a matter of enough faith to reap it in. We've got to have what? Enough love. For our faith to work by, to reap it in. I didn't just say that of myself just then. I want to say that again carefully. It is not just with our faith that we reap this in, these higher levels. I mean, it's ours. We've got to have it to, to do the work. But our faith operates through and by Love. So we got to have enough love. The love's in us, but we grow and develop in it. Remember, the, you know, Paul writing to the saints at Thessalonica talked about that their, their faith and their love was growing and developing. It, it, it develops. And as it does, then there's more for your faith to work through. Verse 34, look at it again. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this. Everybody say by this. By this. this Shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another. Hallelujah. What's the most important thing on this planet? People, human beings. Amen? And how are we to treat these human beings? With love. Does that mean you always do everything they ask you to do? No. But it means you're concerned about what's best for them. Right? What will, uh, sometimes you have to be straight with people to help them. Love will give you a spanking. Right? Love will ground you. Love will make itself uncomfortable and will put up with you not liking me. If it will cause you to turn out good. Amen. Real love. True love. The real love of God. That's what we're talking about. Go with me please to the 15th chapter. Now I think I'm, I'm winding up with this. I wanted to, to lay a foundation this evening. John 15. 15.9 As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So do, it doesn't just happen automatically, does it? He's charging us to continue in it, to live in it, stay in it. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. Uh, skip down to verse 12. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. If you keep his commandment. And all the commandments are summed up in the commandment. Hold your place here and go to 1 John. This This will make it clearer. 1 John. And 3 I believe it is. 1 John 3, 22, 
1 John 3.22 says, Whatever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment that we should what? Believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and what? Love one another as He gave His commandment. All the commands are summed up in these two things. Faith and love. That'll keep you busy all day long. (laughs) Won't it? (laughs) If in every situation you respond in faith and in love. And if you do that, you are keeping His commandment. Like the Master Jesus kept the Father's commandments. And you will abide in His love. Now that, that, that covers a lot of ground. It's, it's, it's more than just you walking in love with other people. It is you experiencing the manifested love of God for you. And to you. When God is fully pleased with you. Because you're walking in faith and love all the time. Faith and love is preeminent in your every breath. And you're fully pleasing Him with this. Then He causes you to know it. Have any of you that have walked with the Lord for a length of time? Have there been times in your life where you just knew that you knew God was pleased with you? You knew it? You're experiencing, you're abiding, you're living in the manifested love. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, the more you live in this manifested love, the greener the grass gets, the better the birds sound. The easier it is for you to get out of bed in the morning. The less it bothers you about your hair. (laughs) Or anything else. We're talking about this higher dimension of life. Amen. Abiding, living, dwelling in this love. He said, if you keep my commandment, and this is my commandment, love each other like I have loved you. Then you will live in this love. So you don't just live in Fort Worth. You don't just live in Detroit or Chicago or wherever. You live in here. You know what I mean by that? Your state of spirit, your state of heart, and your state of soul and mind is where you live. That's why people are so disappointed when they think, well, if I could move, you know, to the Keys, if I could get my condo down in Hawaii, if I could get this, if I could get my boat and I could, I could retire, then I'm going to be happy. No, you can't enjoy anything unless this is right in here. You can't enjoy a condo in Hawaii. I mean, you can be sitting in the midst of paradise geographically and be in a dark cave inside yourself. Miserable. And here's the revelation. It's, It's so simple. But we've missed it so many times. The key to living in this great love is loving other people. It's giving. Now back up and I'll show you. Jesus said it right here. Let me start reading again from verse 9. As the Father, 15, 9. As the Father has loved me. Where are you at? I'm in Big John. John 15. John 15, 8. Nine, I'm trying to say. What are you laughing about? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. What's the instruction? Continue. Stay in this love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide or stay or live or dwell in my love. Is that where you want to be? More than in any house or in any state or in any place. This is where you want to be. Huh? Living in the manifested love of God. That's what heaven is made out of. Hallelujah. And we can, we can experience the first fruits. 
Romans talks about of our full inheritance. Now, we don't have the full thing, but we can have a foretaste of it. Of what? Of heaven. It's not just the pearly gates or the streets of gold that make heaven heaven. It's God. Hallelujah. And we got Him now. (laughs) He's in us. Hallelujah. And the more of this we walk in, the more seamless the transition will be, whether we live out our life and die, or whether the trumpet sounds and we're changed. It'll be, it'll be seamless. It'll just be more of the same wonderful love we begin to tap into down here. Seeing this in and on us is what makes, will make people want to get saved. They can't get this anywhere else. Cannot. He went on to say, Even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things have I spoken to you, what? That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. It's going to take us a little bit to get to this. <laughs> but I'm willing to work with it if you are. Are you? This is absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. This is the key to fullness of joy. Amen. And it's the thing the devil told you would make you unhappy. Lying rascal that he is. We should have known if he said it was that way, it had to be the opposite. This loving each other. This, this getting in this frame of heart and mind, just like the master, he lived to give. He came and willingly and gladly gave himself for us. Didn't he? That's him. That's who he is. That's what he is. If you say, I am a Christian, I am an anointed one like him, you're saying, that's my core. I live to give. And I will gladly lay myself down and what I have for somebody else. And that is what makes you full of joy. But people don't believe that. Do they? That is the key to his joy being in us and our joy being absolutely full. Now, we've tapped into some of this to some degrees. Have you ever given something to somebody that uh, you really, really liked, but it made you happier when it left? Huh? I mean, your flesh liked it, but oh, it just... You're experiencing a level of joy that that thing couldn't give you. We're touching on it now. I think I've told this here before, but I'll tell it again in closing. I want to get to the rest of it, but I can't. We, not, not right now. It's going to take us a little bit. This is something you're going to have to believe God with me for. Can you? Can you stay hooked with me? We've got to build on this. This has got to build up in your spirit because we're, we're dealing with centuries of deception and lies in this area. And, you, and even though you hear it, it's like you know and something deep down inside you knows there's something there you're not quite, quite going to put your hand on. But it's not, it's not up to the surface yet. I want us to stay with it till it starts springing out. It starts coming up out. It'll change the way you live forever. It'll take the caps and limitations off of your ability to, to believe for some things. I know when I was a first year Rama student, we're believing God for every pair of socks, every tank of gas. And uh, I needed a pair of shoes desperately. And Phyllis and I prayed and agreed for a pair of shoes. And we stood and believed everything we knew how to do. And somebody sent me money in the mail for shoes. 
Specific. Man, I was ecstatic. $50. Of course, you know, $50 wouldn't buy you the best pair, but this was a few years ago too. I mean, get your pair of shoes. I was ecstatic. And I went to prayer school that day. They were praying in the afternoon. Man, I had a victory prayer that day. Ah, boy, I was praying away. Had my shoe money. I mean, after the service, I'm going to the mall. (laughs) Yes, sir. I mean, God has sent me shoe money. We asked for it, believed for it. His faith stuff works. And uh, I'm laying in the floor there praying. And the Lord brought a young man who had been speaking in the afternoon, a minister. And said to me, said, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Specific. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but very distinctly inside me. He called his name. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. I'm laying in the floor in between chairs praying. I thought, well, Lord, I could encourage him. And you know, I mean, I know that what you did for, for me, you would do for him. I, I know you will. You want me to go encourage him after the service? (laughs) So I just kept praying some, praying in the spirit. It came up in me again. So and so. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. I thought about that. I turned that over in my mind. I said again, well, Lord, I know you're faithful. I know that you will give him them brown shoes. I... You want me to believe? I'll believe with him. Right now, I just set myself in agreement with that brother. And I'm, you know, I know you've met my need and I know you'll meet his need too. I'm believing you with him for his brown shoes. His brown shoes are on the way. (laughs) What are you laughing about? I started praying, praying again. It came up again. He's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. And then he said, why don't you sow him your shoe money? Now, to be honest, I didn't know as much as I know now. I rebuked the devil. <laughs> I said, I said you, you lying devil, you're trying to come and here I bleed God and he brought the money in. and You're trying to rob me and mess me up. I rebuke you. Get behind me. You're not getting my shoe money. (laughs) And it took me a little while. But I got quiet again. Here it came up in my heart again. Thank God the Lord's patient with us. And he said, he's believing me for a pair of brown shoes. Why don't you sow him your shoe money? And And then he said this to me. He said, and you'll not lack for shoes. I will take care of you. Well, see, I... I didn't realize it. I'm getting a better perspective on these things now. But you know, the Lord will let some of these things happen and do some of these things on purpose. Because of where you are in a situation. You know? I mean, $50 might not be much to some people now. But to me, and I'm I'm endeavoring to train for the ministry. And I looked bad. My shoes looked bad. And and it bothered me that I wasn't representing the Lord properly. And and, you know, all this is going on. And... uh, it took, me, it took us a little while to believe in that $50. and All this is going on. Finally, though, I, I lay there and I kept thinking, this, this ain't the devil. I mean, this is the same Holy Ghost that dealt with us to go to school and has given me utterance for meetings and songs. And this, this is not the devil. So finally I said, okay, all right. Okay, Lord. All right. You want me to give him my shoe money? Okay. So I went to the service that afternoon where he was speaking. And I watched his shoes real close. And they looked pretty good to me. I mean, they were a lot better than what I had. They wasn't even scuffed up. How many of you can't be led by stuff like that? That's being led. That's walking beside. You know, it may be somebody that really looks like they need something, but they may not be believing God at all. So the Lord wouldn't deal with you. And uh, so after the service, I came up to him and I said, brother, I called his name. I said, uh, are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? 
He said, say that again. I said, are you believing God for a pair of brown shoes? He said, stand right here. And he went and got his wife and he brought her over. He said, tell her what you told me. I thought maybe they thought I was just a crazy rainbow student, you know. <laughs> Wanting to get this on tape or something. I don't know. But to use against me later. But <laughs> they, uh, I said, I just want to know if y'all were believing God for a pair of brown shoes. They both started raising, raising their hands and praising God. They said, you know, it wasn't just a few hours ago, which turned out was exactly the same time I was on the floor praying there. We joined hands in the speaker's room and asked and agreed for a pair of brown shoes for him to wear. You know, we're traveling and in the ministry. I said, well, glory to God. I said, here's, here's some money towards it. And I gave him my $50 and, and they were praising God. And I walked out of the door. It was cold and the wind was blowing. And uh, <laughs> I walked out and I had no shoes and, and no money. And, but... I tell you what, I was not sad. I was not depressed. I was not sad over my notion. I felt like I was about this high off the ground. I had heard from God. Brown shoes, baby brown. I had heard from God. I had been used of God to meet a need. Hallelujah. And the words were ringing in my ears. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I was experiencing the love of God. And the joy of God that a pair of shoes cannot give. And did you know that the Lord did what he said? I mean, I have not wanted for shoes. I've had people just come up and look at me and go, here's a credit card. Go buy an expensive pair of shoes. Don't get the cheap ones. Get the expensive pair of shoes. And I mean, shoes after shoes after shoes. Somebody sent me, just a few months ago, sent me a pair of uh, blue Alligator. I mean, these things need a dimmer switch on them. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, <laughs> and just, you know, we, I have not lacked. I have not wanted. It's sowing and reaping. But now, 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 are you getting this? I'm not just telling that for that reason. Faith works by what? By love. I didn't just, I didn't just approach that. Well, I have a vision for getting nice shoes, so I'm going to buy this brother a pair of shoes. The Lord wanted me to care more about him. I didn't even know him that well. You don't have to. You don't have to know people very well to love them. They don't have to do anything for you for you to love them. They can even be mean to you. And with the love of God, you can love them anyway. Amen. He wanted me to love him and to love them more than I love shoes. More than I loved that money, more than I loved what I needed, he wanted me to act on that and pass a test. And friend, we have these every day. Because God is grooming us, not because he wants us to fail, not because he wants to find something that we come short in. He wants to bring us into the full joy. Hallelujah. He wants to take the caps and limits off of our ability to receive. He wants to take the limitations off of our faith. So the greater love, the greater faith can operate. The greater faith can work. The greater the vision. Till we begin to see through love. We see through the eyes of love. We hear through the ears of love. We think. Amen. And perceive with the heart of love. Now we're on God's channel. We're in His vein. We're we're in the same flowing vein as all the gifts and manifestations of the Holy Ghost. It's the love flow. It's the God flow. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand up on your feet. How about it? I want to pray over you. I want us to release our faith. I want us to believe for things to begin happening. Right now, they they don't all have to happen in the service, you know. The Bible says follow after charity, follow after love, and desire spiritual gifts. Desire the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. I want you to set yourself in agreement with this prayer we're going to pray right now. And be open for the love of God to flow up in you and through you towards people. And He'll give you word of knowledge about something that somebody needs or that they're believing God for. He'll give you word of wisdom about how something's supposed to turn out and your part to play in it. Close your eyes. Say this out loud with me if you would. Father God. Father God. I acknowledge. I acknowledge. You are love. You are love. 
This love is more important than anything else. Because you're more important than anything else. And you are love. This love is in me. Shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. Anything that's been a hindrance or a restriction to this love, I ask you, show it to me. Help me to get rid of it. That there may be an unhindered flow of your love and of your joy and that our joy may be full. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.